Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. My name is Sheldon McLeod, and this is Thinking Out Loud, presented to you here on the Saltwire Network. Remind you again to uh, search out the new Saltwire YouTube channel, uh, subscribe and like and all that goes along uh, with that. It's a real great place for you to find all the videos my colleagues are working on. Uh, This has been a tough uh, week in the news cycle. And in fact, I don't know if you saw this story yet. Perhaps you have. Uh, This is a story of a woman from Cape Breton who actually died after leaving the ER she was waiting for seven hours, and this was on the 30th of December, so before Allison Holtoff's story became public. And the reason I mention that is I had also happened across another post from someone I know on Facebook who had said that they had visited an emergency department back in October, and it was only through perhaps sheer determination, maybe a little bit of um, stubbornness, I'll put it that way, that Amy Graves yeah. said... I'm, I'm not going. I'm going to stay until I'm seen. So, Amy Graves, uh, good to see you again. Um, so, just quickly, I know we spoke last about uh, your aneurysm and your recovery. Uh, how is that going so far? Good so far. I mean, um, I'm slowly getting my mobility and other things back, my vision. I'm going to be blind in one eye permanently, but at least I can have 20-20 in my other. So, things are on the ups. <laughs> So tell me what happened in October. Um, due to the aneurysm and the stroke, I'm on blood thinners. And um, I guess what ended up happening, um, I awoke in a huge amount of pain. I didn't know what was going on, but I was just in an extreme amount of pain. I knew something wasn't right. It was like one o'clock in the morning. And I waited till probably two o'clock and was like, I was starting to get the pain was moving down my arm. um, And I was worried like, oh no, this is what happened when I had a stroke. (coughs) I knew something just, it didn't feel right. (coughs) So I waited till two and it just kept getting worse. The pain was moving. Sorry. (coughs) Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, the pain was getting um, increasingly bad. So I told my spouse, <coughs> let's go back to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a place I've been a lot, unfortunately, this year. And I really only go if I feel that it's an absolute necessary because I anticipate a lengthy wait. And um, just um, I have to be in a lot of pain or know something's wrong before I go. I'm not going for a cough or because I don't feel well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made my way. I, my spouse asked me, do you want me to call an ambulance? And from past experience, I'm like, no, we live five minutes from Kempville Hospital. We'll actually get there faster if you drive me. <laughs> I'll try to get in my wheelchair and see if I can make it in the car and then out of the car because I'm going to have to move <laughs> whether I get an ambulance or your vehicle. So he drove me to the hospital and we ended up, oh gosh, I mean, 
we weighed and they ran blood work on me first. Uh, the pain was still increasing, still increasing um, to the point like I was in tears. I was crying in my wheelchair in the waiting room. Um, I probably would have crawled up in the fetal position if I wasn't such a germaphobe because it was a hospital floor. Um, but uh, they did blood work, came back normal, did x-ray, came back normal. And they said, do you want to, this was the first time I was asked, do you want to stay? Everything's coming back normal. And I was like, no, I specifically asked for a CT scan. I'm like, there's something wrong. I've never been in this amount of pain. Even my aneurysm, I don't remember this amount of pain. And my checkered uh, medical pass too uh, made me feel uncomfortable about leaving and going home because I have done that in the past. And as we know, um, I've had a bad outcome. Mm. So I said, no, I want to, I don't feel comfortable leaving until I get a CAT scan. There's definitely something wrong. Something's going on. I could barely get in the CAT scan machine. I was in so much pain. Um, I can remember the CAT scan people, you could tell they were kind of, I was something they didn't see every day. I could barely lay down on my back and it took me forever to get on there. I was just crying in tears and pain. The CAT scan came back and it showed internal bleeding. Um, they assumed it was because I was on blood thinners because there was no trauma that I could remember for like falling car accidents. I literally woke up in agonizing pain. And so they thought you must be bleeding because you're on blood thinners, but we don't know where you're bleeding from. There's so much blood in your abdomen um, on the scan. We can't tell where it's coming from. Um, so that was probably 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd been there since two where I finally got the answer, at least where I knew it was internal bleeding. It wasn't a stroke or a complication from an aneurysm. Um, they had some sort of answer. So I began throwing up. At that point, I was in so much pain. And, and actually, I don't know if it was from the pain or the painkillers. They were trying to give me to now to help the pain. Um, but it, I was nauseous. I was vomiting. I had a barf bag basically right next to my face. Um, and they were like, we're going to try some more imaging to uh, figure out where you're bleeding from. And we're going to try to find a place for you, I guess. Um a bed where you can lie down because at this time it had been probably 12 hours of sitting up in a wheelchair before I even got a cot. <laughs> um, all they could find me was a recliner hospital chair. Um, so they moved me to, to that. So at least I could somewhat lay back and relax, but Yeah. So I, I guess what, what really kind of prompted this is you saw Alison Holtoff's story, how she had gone in and yes. was waiting and waiting. And now we have this other tragic story that we hear about another family that someone went and it was a seven hour wait before they were even seen. So just so we're clear, you yes. were, you did present at what, two in the morning, uh, you were able to at least be seen by medical professionals, correct? Oh, yes. They had no idea. I didn't have a diagnosis, right. but I was in the midst of tests. tests. Uh, I probably got the diagnosis at, I don't know, the next day around. 
it was getting close to lunchtime. So between one in the morning and lunchtime is when I actually finished my CT scan and they said they realized I was bleeding internally and that's why I was in so much pain. And, and they had so it was close to 12 hours. They had suggested that you go home at one point and so. Oh yeah. They said, do you want to go home at your blood works coming back normal and your extra came back normal? And I said, no, I'm in so much pain. I need a CAT scan and I just know something's not right. So that's when they CAT scanned me and realized I was in pain uh, or sorry, I was in internal bleeding. That was yeah. what was causing the pain. Um, and then that point I didn't even get admitted. Um, they said, listen, um, we've gone over the additional scans cause I waited to do a second scan to see if they could figure out where I was bleeding from. And, um, they said, we can't tell where you're bleeding from still cause there's too much blood in your stomach that's blocking the imaging. But we do know based because they put some kind of dye in you, we know that you're not actively bleeding because we would be able to see from the dye where it was coming from and not just floating around in your stomach kind of thing. That's how they explained it to me. Right. And they said, we suggest, again, you, you, we can give you some painkillers because we know internal bleeding is really painful. And um, it, the only way we can clear it up um, is time. Um, so we can give you a prescription for morphine, um, and send you on your way and you can come back if your symptoms get unbearable. And I'm like, well, they are unbearable right now. <laughs> like presently I'm vomiting in a bag in front of you and can barely like, I have a hard time, uh, laying on my back. Like I had this sweet spot that I had to stay in. And if I moved, it was excruciating pain. And that's when I said, no, I feel, I don't feel comfortable going home. Um, cause I have before and just wait and see what happens and then come back and have to wait all over again. I've already been at the hospital for 24 hours at this point. Mm -hmm. And I was still sitting in a chair <laughs> and they still didn't know where I was bleeding from. So just to kind of go back to the reason that you felt you wanted to say publicly, um, you know, the story of, of, of people showing up the ER and, and unfortunately passing away in ER. So what was it that you were hoping would come of your experience? What were you hoping would come of sharing your experience? Oh, gosh, I don't even know where to start because I honestly I feel bad for the healthcare staff because it's not like they don't want to help me or they're being, I don't think they were purposely being negligent or anything like that. They just are run off their feet. I remember an emergency used to, you know, wait. It wasn't a quick wait, but maybe an hour or two. And you would go out back to a cot or a bed and then the doctor would see you there. When I was in emergency with the internal bleeding, there was none of that. I would go get testing done and then be back out in the waiting room sitting in my wheelchair um, in the agonizing pain. Like I said, it wasn't caught a cough or flu or sniffles. Like it, it, I can't even explain. It was more than childbirth. Uh, it was more than my brain aneurysm, if you can believe it. Um, and I guess blood is an irritant the where in your abdomen, like it's not supposed to be there. So that's why I was in so much pain. And finally, um, a doctor, I had been in emergency for, well, I had 
refused to go home at two points. And finally he said, I understand why you're concerned because actually this doctor knew me previous from previous times in the emergency room. I can see, he said, I can see why you're hesitating to go home, but this is not the place for you. We don't have any beds to like ha- put you. There's somebody, a doctor needs to admit you if you stay in emergency for more than 24 hours. So we have no doctors that are willing to admit you because you don't need surgery. Um, we don't know where the blood came from. Um, I forget the other things, but he said I needed a doctor to admit me to their department and I didn't fit in any of the boxes that were avail beds were available. And I just said, well, I'll stay in emergency as long as I can. And hopefully a doctor admits me and a doctor came in that morning. So I'd been there over 24 hours, almost 48 hours at that point, because it would be 24 hours that night I came in or 48 hours that, that night. And he came in and looked at my blood work that I just got taken again. Cause it was morning. It's routine. I guess everyone gets blood work. It was like 7am or 8am and he got it back and he looked at it and he said, your hemoglobin drop uh, levels have dropped significantly. There is no way you can go home. And I could overhear him on the phone making phone calls to doctors within the hospital. Will you please take this lady? We cannot send her home. Like she has to go somewhere. She can't stay in the emergency room sitting in her wheelchair for two days. Like he was actually, I I was really grateful to that doctor. I wish I could remember his name, but now my memory is horrible. But I can remember thanking him because um, not that the previous doctors gave me negligent care or anything I felt. I just felt they were run off their feet and they were trying to get me out of there because they couldn't help me. And uh, he took the time and kind of went for bat. And uh, it turns out, yeah, uh, he told me that usually with internal bleeding, your blood work works looks normal at first, but it takes a certain amount of time for those levels to really drop the hemoglobin levels. So they had finally dropped uh, on their readings and I needed several transfusions. I got admitted to the ICU and I was there for a week getting... Mm-hmm. Iron, I believe it was iron transfusions because I had lost so much blood. I, I, this is so often a story that we hear. That, I mean, so many tragic outcomes. And and you said you felt this, the situation that happened with Allison Holthoff could very well have been yourself. And as you recognize the challenges in the system with the people who are overworked, overwhelmed. So what what is your advice? What would you like people to know, Amy, about this situation and the crisis in healthcare? Oh, well, I I guess don't, first of all, I don't think the frustration should lay on the staff. Um, it's like I'm torn because uh, I have a lot of anger. Well, I don't want to say, yeah, you can say anger, frustration with the system itself and how it's failed me. And I, you know, you always look for someone to blame, even though maybe, uh, or blame isn't a good word, but you want to find the problem and you want to be able to like rationalize why why that bad thing happened to you. Where did life go wrong (laughs) to make this happen? And I really don't think it's the staff or the doctors. Um, I just think it's gotten to the point where 
the system is on a verge of collapse and they're working as hard as they can and burnout setting in and they're overlooking things and trying to keep things moving, trying to get beds empty. And in the process, they're overlooking um, possibly fatal situations. Well, Amy, I know it's been a tough few years for you. I'm, I'm happy to be able to talk to you about this. And we know that uh, other families have had to experience something a whole lot worse in a lot of ways and not to diminish at all the pain and, and suffering that you've gone through. And, and I know that you were quite empathetic towards uh, Alison Holtoff's family and what they had gone through. So I'm very much. Oh, uh, I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. I, I can't I imagine the pass away after knowing what internal bleeding feels like to just know she was in agonizing pain for that many hours and her family had to watch her in that kind of pain because I know mine might have not been as significant as hers. It's not a trauma Olympics, but just knowing that that was her final moments is very unsettling when it's preventable from what I know a preventable death. Well, we'll certainly uh, be interested in hearing what the final report says if we all find out that information publicly. Uh, Amy Graves, I wish you nothing but uh, continued uh, recovery in your health struggles. And uh, I know you try to keep a, a positive light on things, so I wish you nothing but the best. So thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.